cliffcentral.com. Every time I hear those bells, I just go as high as a kite. And I don't mean smoking dacha. I just mean <laughs> connecting. Hello, Shemaine. Ali, how's it? I'm well, thank you. I'm Liesl Tom. You're listening to Beyond Ears and Eyes. And as always with us in studio is Palesa Mabuye. Hey, Palesa. Hello. <laughs> Good to have you, Shemaine. Yep, and I'm Shemaine Harris. Welcome again to Beyond Ears and Eyes, as always. It's amazing to be here, and we hope that you're going to have a good listen. Today, we're in for a bit of a treat. I have an amazing lady here, and her name is Joan Lane. Hello, Shemaine. How are you doing, Hello, Joan? Lisa. I'm well, thank Hi, you. Joan. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Joan is a change and transformation consultant. I know it's heavy. It's heavy. It lies, you know, in the mouth. It's it's it a lot. So corporate. Do you wear like A-line skirts to work and high heels? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a darn thing. But don't let that fool you, because um, Joan is also incredibly spiritual. Um, you are also you. Well, you don't particularly practice Reiki, but you have been trained, so you can do that if yes. you wanted to. You're also very um, okay with reading cards uh, if you want to. Mm-hmm. So, so you have a few disciplines, and you believe in working with energy extensively. Yes. So, we're going to talk about all those things in a little while because <laughs> I'm getting excited now. So, we're going to talk a little bit about all that. But first, I want to find out how did you start. In a healing trajectory. Okay, it started with um, an accident in 2005. It was a car accident um, in which I came out actually and I was, I felt pretty fine, um, but I had severe whip, whiplash. Uh, two days later, I didn't go to the hospital immediately. Two years later, uh, two days later, um, I found myself at the hospital. And from there on, I then had to have quite a number of interventions because my neck, um, my neck and my, my back, uh, cervicals, um, got injured during the accident. Uh, it took another two years for me to realize how badly injured I was, um, because it was a tissue injury, which was actually hiding what was going on in the cervicals, um, and in the vertebrae. Uh, one day I found myself not being able to move. I had been told that that might happen with the accident. Mm. So I was going backwards and forwards to the physiotherapy over these two years, uh, physiotherapist over these two years, and not really thinking anything of it because there would be gaps of maybe four months, six months with me being actually literally blocked um, and in a lot of pain. And then one day I went to see the physiotherapist. I was in so much pain um, that she said to me, look, I can't touch you. Mm. Every time I touch you, I just feel for you. Let me um, introduce a colleague of mine. She does something called Reiki. And I was like, I don't care what she does. As mm. long as she makes the pain go away, I don't care. And so I find myself in this session um, at my physiotherapist. All I can remember is going in at the beginning and I remember coming out at the end and somewhere in between, I remember thinking there's three or four people in the room that are massaging me. Okay. I remember opening. This is with a physio, not with a, with this a is Reiki with the, person. This was with the, at the physiotherapist. Mm-hmm. The person was a physiotherapist who could do Reiki. Ah, so I didn't know what Reiki was. So I didn't, I didn't actually really, all I wanted, didn't I didn't care. care. I wanted mm. to be relieved of the pain. And I just remember that 
It was a beautiful sensation. I remember that I felt as if I'd gone somewhere and come back, that I'd, I felt that I'd left the room. Um, and I just remember one time I opened my eyes and to look around who else was in the room. And the Reiki person was, or the physiotherapist, she was standing on my head, and yet I could feel hands on my legs. And I could feel real hands on my legs. And I was like, okay, that's odd. <laughs> I don't care. This feels good. Went back to sleep, I think, and then came out of it. Um, so after that, I was able then to continue with normal physiotherapist uh, therapy. And I think for about a year, I was fine. Nothing. I didn't have any problems at all with my neck or my back. And then... One day I woke up and I couldn't get out of bed. I was completely, literally, I called my son. I could not get out of bed. I, could, I couldn't move. I couldn't move my arms and I couldn't move my legs. And they, uh, my son and a neighbor had to take me to the doctors. Um, they gave me cortisone, anti-inflammatory, painkillers again. And then I remembered, I was told that there was a possibility that I could become paraplegic. And that memory came back. Because I pushed it away completely, um, and this was now three years after the car injury, the initial inj uh, the, the initial car accident. I got home. I, I went to the pharmacy. When I went to the pharmacy, I picked up a little pamphlet, and on the pamphlet it said something about Reiki, and I was like, "Oh, Reiki! Let me try that. Let me see." If this, because I'm not going to stay like this for the rest of my life. I cannot. So you mean you completely forgot about that amazing experience and then, you know, and so three years later, so, a or little, a, a little while note, note falls says, in your yeah. lap. Yeah. So, so I assume you went back, but then how did you start practicing where you actually said, now nah, I'm going to do this and why? You because know. on that leaflet, there was a teacher, a person okay. that taught Reiki. So I decided to go and see what this Reiki thing was all about. And I actually ended up being taught by that lady. Um, I don't know if I can mention her name. She's taught Absolutely. many of the the, the the Reiki practitioners today. Her name's Karen Langer. Uh, she still teaches today. This was in 2006 when I started with her. Mm -hmm. And um, and then when I first went to the first session that I had with her, I came out and I said, what is this rubbish? This is just mumbo jumbo, <laughs> airy fairy rubbish. I am not going back there. <laughs> And um, when I got home, uh, there was a number of things that had happened in the session that I didn't remember, but I'd been taking notes. And when I got home and I looked at my notes and I, I, drew, I drew, drew something, I drew actually what I drew was this horrifying wall. It was horrible. It was very foreboding and it had locks on it. It was like it had a moat and there was a tiny little me at the bottom of the the door looking up. And um, And I was... I was locked out. I needed to get in. And there was this foreboding wall. I didn't remember drawing that. I didn't remember. There was other things that, and I, do, I can't draw. <laughs> so do you, do you remember, um, you know, what your conclusion was of that? Well, um, then I said, well, there's got to be something else going on here. There has got to, I have to go back. As much as I think it's mumbo jumbo, as much as I think that this is rubbish, something happened in there. Um, I was drawn to it. I need to go back there because I do not want to continue like this. I do not want to be a paraplegic. I don't want to be on painkillers for the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't want to be stopped in my tracks. 
um, and this seems to be the solution. And this happened there. I need to understand what happened. I went back to Corin and I said to Corin, Corin, I'm not comfortable with this Reiki thing. I, it's, it's really, it's I, weird. It, it, yeah. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, and it's against the way I've been brought up. Um, but something's happened and this is what happened and it's frightened me. But I do understand that I need to be here and I need to understand more. In the first session, what I do remember is she taught us about energy. That was the very first thing that she spoke to us about was about energy. And that's what she said. She said, Reiki is something that is there. It's universal. It's universal energy. It's all around us. And healing is all about energy. And she said, if you don't believe me, what is the first thing you do when you hurt yourself? The very first thing, you knock your knee. What do you do? You grab it, you hold it, it yes. and you and you rock and you hold. But you hold your hands over that thing. Why? Mm-hmm. And she said it's because immediately you instantly will start to heal yourself. You auto heal by putting your hands. You place your hands on your own body or mm-hmm. on the child's body, and you you you're comforting with your hands. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing that she did was very very simple. She said, "Okay, guys." Put your hands together, hold them together, and then what you're going to do is you're going to slowly, slowly pull them apart. But as you do, become aware of what you're feeling in between the palms of your hands. And then you will put your hands in and out slowly and start to feel that there is energy in between them. And you pull them out and pull them. And that was it. Mm. So immediately she demonstrated that this energy is all around us. I want to do that now while I'm sitting here. Not so fast. Slow. <laughs> yes, it has to be, you, you have to do it slowly so that you can literally do draw I, it out. So, okay. So, and then what do I do with it afterwards if I'm at home? So I've got a knee that's hurting. So, so I, I, I put my hands together. Can anyone use this or is this for specialized? So anyone can use energy <laughs> healing. Um, so I'm not sure how many people People have heard of chi, mm-hmm. um, you know. So chi is what um, in, in in the Asian society, Asian societies, the the Eastern philosophies, they use chi. Chinese That's medicine, life they energy, use right? life energy. That life energy is all around us, and what they do is they meditate in order to to gather in the chi and to heal the chakras. The chakras mm-hmm. are also part of the energy systems. Um, acupuncture. It also uses the energy systems in order to rebalance what is um, out of balance within the body, within the, the within the aura of the body. So it's all around and it's available for all of us. So yes, all of us can use it with uh, with training. In the Western world, what happens is we are taught that it's not possible. We cannot possibly do this by ourselves. We need some other intervention. It needs to be a doctor. It needs to be a priest. It needs to be somebody else needs to deliver it for us. Reiki is a healing technique using energy. Mm-hmm. It is taught and what it does is it ritualizes how do you heal? How do you focus the energy in order to heal different parts and different aspects of us. And in terms of aspects of us, it's not just about the physical body. You're also healing your mind. You're also healing your, your, your immediate aura around you, your astral body. You're healing your, um, celestial body as well. Mm -hmm. So that is what Reiki does. It heals the whole of the human being. So the part that we can see, but also those parts that we cannot see. And it draws the energy from what is around us. Mm-hmm. So the technique teaches us how to focus that energy into certain areas of either the body, the, the physical body or the other bodies. John, but wait up. 
if you are in an environment where there's a lot of negativity, a lot of anger, you can't use that energy to try and heal someone, can you? Can you transform it? Yes. So what it does, so for example, we mentioned right at the beginning, I'm in corporate. Corporate is your typical environment where often, very often, there's a lot of negative energies. There's a lot of um, suppressed energies as well where we're not allowed to actually say what we want and the way that we want. We have to, it's, it's actually quite controlled and quite contained. And often we get to work and we're already feeling drained. Mm-hmm. And we we don't even know how we're going to get through the day. One of the techniques that that Reiki will teach you is how to block that negative energy, so that when you get to work, you're not impacted as heavily or not at all mm-hmm. by that toxic energy. So you can you can also it also can teach you how to transform it. However, I would say that you still require the assistance of a coach. Because there's certain behaviors that we have to change within ourselves in order to make make that transformation take place. So if you know that you're with a colleague and you're always angry, your knee-jerk reaction will always be the same with that person unless you've been taught how to behave differently to mm-hmm. whatever has um, sparked your negative reaction. So is the teaching just basically you coming together with someone to assist you um, to give permission to help you alter um, your your pattern, because I mean, um, the way the way I see it is like if you if you don't want to be helped, you know, I can I can say Joan, help me, um, help me do this, but my in inside I, I'm closed up and I go like, yeah, I asked Joan to help me, but you know I can't be bothered. Can I can can you stop the process like that? Yeah, and before you answer that, sorry to just um, add to that. Do you have to believe in it for it to work? You don't have to believe in Reiki for it to work. Mm. You don't. I went through my entire 14 weeks. I, with Karen, she teaches a whole lot of modalities. She doesn't do a weekend um, Reiki in two, week, in two weekends you're done. She does a whole 14 weeks in which you also learn about auras. You learn about crystal healing. You learn about how to use a pendulum, what it is. You learn about tarot cards. So you learn about a whole lot of other things before you even start Touching anything about Reiki, you learn about energy and what does that mean and what is happening with yourself. You then start doing a bit of self-healing and all the way through, I didn't believe a word that she was saying and I didn't believe it worked. And even when it was in front of my eyes and even when I was, we, we practice on each other in each of the, 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 the students, we practice on each other, even when I... I did what I was supposed to do. And people saying, wow, that was amazing. I still didn't believe it. To the point where it was only when I read my own diaries that I was like, oh, my gosh, I was doing it. Could it be because you didn't particularly think it was you doing it? You just gave over to the process because the process you allowed, um, you know, because sometimes we think, oh, I'm doing this and I'm so great. And, and so, then, that, yeah, that yeah. flow stops because that, your ego is getting involved. There, there's that aspect of it. So it's not possibly me. I cannot do this. But more than anything, it's my belief systems. So as a child, I was told you cannot do these things. When I was a child, I could do anything I wanted. Hmm. And that's very important. As a child, I could do anything I wanted. But as a child, I was, it was beaten out of me. So no, you cannot see what you cannot see in front of you. No, you cannot possibly know that. You can't. Hmm. 
So it was beaten out of me. So because of that, so the little girl that was there with this huge, massive, 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 it was a castle door with big studs in it. That little girl, the reason why she was so terrified, she got to the point where she had to open this door, which had been closed, deliberately closed all with, of these years. With all those locks yes. that you described. Yes. Mm. So, so it was literally standing there and knowing that now I had to open that door. This little me. Listen, I'm just having a thought. Do you think that accident was then meant to be to get you to the point where you went, okay, I'm supposed to assist people in in getting healing, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, it's like, otherwise, why? Yes. So as we move into spirit, more and more into our spiritual selves and we really connect with ourselves, not with the the um, organized religion that we are told this is the way it's going mm. to be. As we connect to our own divine spirituality, we encounter more and more people with stories like mine and even worse stories and people on the brink of death and people who've had, who've lost everything. And when you speak to them, I don't believe that there is one person that I have spoken to that has not come around and said, you know what, that's how, got, how I got onto my spiritual path. Mm. Um, it is. It's, it's almost as if the universe says, okay, stop this nonsense now. Mm. Stop. That's it. Mm. You're going to now do what you were meant to do, what you came here for. And we are going to make sure that you understand that your life is not only about work. Money, the mm. husband, the daughter, the child. You came here for a purpose. We're going to get you on track now. Mm -hmm. So and you're forced to stop. And, and that, that could be, it doesn't have to be an accident. It could be yeah. a life altering situation of yes. any, any sort. Yes. So as long as it's traumatic yes. enough to get you to stop. It doesn't have to be traumatic. Um, you know, we as humans, we learn Wait. either through pain and fear mm -hmm. or through love. Now, as humans, we are conditioned. And as Joan said, you know, she was beaten as a child. It was beaten out of her. Mm. We are conditioned to recognize pain and fear more easily. So that is why we get the universe saying, now you stop. This is what, what is going to happen. And Martha Beck always uses this, this, this tool of telling it backwards. If you take something precious in your life and you go look at what happened before that and what happened before that and what happened before that. Within two to three steps, you will find something profoundly negative mm. because that is the way we are programmed to learn. But, and Joan, here's what I want to ask you. Do you agree with me that we can, if we are aware enough and if we live in awareness, which is so much easier said than done, that we can actually learn through love? Yes. Um, if you'd asked me that question a year ago, I would have said no. Um, it is a huge learning for us because society tells us you have to learn through pain. Um, a lot of our structured religions say that you cannot become enlightened unless you've suffered, unless you've lost. So we are effectively conditioned to only grow through pain, through pain. But there's nature also shows us that that is how you grow, even as a human being. So when you are nine months in the womb, beautiful, and there's a massive transformation that takes place from the moment of those two, the division of the two cells, to when that baby actually comes out. Now, before the baby comes out, it has to go through this very, very, very tight birth canal. Mm. 
it is born into pain. If we think about the butterfly's transformation, mm. it melts itself before it yeah, emerges. It worm soup. Yes. Mm. And then, yeah, yeah. So nature also shows us that um, if you are to truly transform, there will be a painful per- process. In coaching, we also say often you have to have a breakdown before you have a breakthrough. Um, so I'm giving all of the examples that are showing that, yes, we have to go through pain. And why am I changing today and saying that, no, we don't have to? If we choose and we set the intent to go through love, that is what we attract. Mm. And so then we attract teachers and people in our lives that can also teach us in a loving way. But not only that, if we stop to think about it, even in all of our painful years, we have had those teachers in our lives. We don't recognize them. And I speak from personal experience where I've had many, many loving friends in my life and they have tried to teach me or to help me or to support me or to enable me using loving words but I didn't know how to accept it. So if they gave me a compliment, I go, mm, yeah, it's not me. If they um, said, no, you can do it, I go, yeah, 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 but, yes, but, yes, but. And yet they were there to, to mm. show me that I could, but I wouldn't listen to them. I would listen to the negatives, that you are not good enough. And, and that, that, that not being good enough, I always joke, but, you know, Shakespeare said many uh, many true words spoken in jest. I always jokingly refer to the I'm not good enough as the human condition because we all have that in some aspect of our lives. We feel that I'm not good enough. Yes. I mean, are we born with it? I don't think we are born with it. I think we are conditioned into it. So Mm. we're always told that, um, okay, so we're in a competitive society. So you got eight out of ten. What about your your friends? Did anyone get higher than you? Yes, they got nine and ten. Okay, so why didn't you? You've got to do better. Not good enough. Mm. Mm. And part of that not good enough is the the this idea that we have to deserve love. Yes, that we have to deserve people who care about us. If we think about the language that is used all of the time, we we say we're going to fight for our rights. If you're fighting for your rights, you're going to always be fighting. It's always going to be toxic, negative. Mm. So how about um, change? we have to change the language. We have to change what we are talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm hesitating now because I was going, there's, there's a project I'm working on and the name of the project has the word war in it. Um, and I'm saying, but why? It's a beautiful thing that we are doing. Why would it have the name war? In it mm-hmm. because it means that we are fighting, we are striving, we don't have to be. Can you not change the name of the project if you feel this strongly about it? No, unfortunately, not. <laughs> have, have you tried negotiating different yes. words, uh, selections? Yes, I have, yeah, yeah, okay. So, because they say what you what you what you focus on, and if you're going to focus on the, the the word, it might just become as aggro as you as you think. So, you could always just uh, change the words amongst yourselves in your group. So it has an official name, and it has a no, not working. Oh, not, you can reframe. No, no, no. Yes, yeah, so we we reframe it. So we don't. Um, in fact, we don't use the word because first of all, we use the acronym, which means we don't have to use the word. That's one way around it. Mm. So do you not like the word war? 
It's not that I don't like the word. Um, Mother Teresa said, how can you be fighting for peace? Mm. How can you be fighting? It, it defeats the objective. Mm. So wars have existed and they will always exist. But if I want peace, I'm not going to go and go out and fight and stand in the streets and go be angry. I am fighting for peace. Mm. I'm going to look at the ways in which I can peacefully Negotiate, as you said, negotiation is something that you, you, you go into debate, you use dialogue, you use communication. Um, you, you enter into a community that, that there's, mm-hmm. there's an exchange between one set of people and one set of another set of people. So it's dialogue. You have to create a dialogue. If you're creating a dialogue, then already there is a difference between your actions because you're creating something where you're looking for a win-win solution. Mm-hmm. So I'm not something where you're competing, where mm-hmm. you're competing. It, it, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but during that, I, I, and I know you know what I'm talking about because you're sitting in corporate during that, that process. There, there's, you know, the, the different, um, opinions that come out and it has to be, you know, kind of like worked through because I don't particularly agree with the way you do. You don't particularly agree with the way you do. So w- when you do yours, how do you then transmute that energy because you work with energy so how do you go about and say okay we we at at a place where it's it's actually quite awkward now so you know how you can uh, so it it is communication it is powerful powerful and empowering communication so the language of coaching is Mm. very very different to your everyday language because when you use coaching you are giving the person an opportunity to actually say what they want to say and it will be heard. So in coaching, you will never use words like you should, you must, you will. Mm-hmm. Let me just also, this is, this, this is now you starting to talk about your, your coaching approach that you use that approach in, in the situation. But like in that, that. boardroom okay. situation, if I were to use previously before I had coaching skills, if I were to, when I say coaching, professional coaching skills, if I were to approach that situation, I used to I used to get thrown out of the boardroom <laughs> because my language was very forceful. I knew exactly the result that I wanted, and I knew the result was going to be benefit beneficial to my stakeholders. Mm. Uh, but, but the way I said it came across as the bossy consultant, the know it all, the you know you know everything. With the coaching language, it is you. There's an invitation in it, so. Tell me, Shemaine, how would you approach it? How would I approach what? Whatever the that's situation what the coaching, is. That's what the coaching <laughs> language is. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying you will do this and you give direction in that way, mm-hmm. you there's an invitation mm-hmm. for the person to share, first of all, what is it that they've really got on their minds? And also with coaching, you clarify what is the issue at hand. Mm-hmm. Because often what happens is... Um, in the boardroom, people attack people. Uh huh. It they deflect from what the situation is at hand. Why is that? You think? Because it's easier than looking at what the actual issue is, the elephant in the room. So we don't like to look at the elephant in the room. Okay. So so because we don't like to, and that culture of not owning and not being accountable and not being responsible. I am the leader. I'm going to delegate to you, 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 you. It is your fault. Is it your fault? Is it, I'm not accountable. So because when I don't want to be accountable, if I cannot 
blame you right now, then I'm going to blame that other person because I'm not going to address the elephant in the room. Mm. But I also think that we as humans tend to make everything personal. You know, if a taxi swerves in front of you, it's about you. This person did that to me. But it's the, got nothing to do. That taxi was going to swerve. Yes. He, he needed to move, change lanes quickly. Yes. It's not about us every yeah. time. Yeah. But that comes with, uh, that realization comes with education. Um, what, like you said, you know, you, your approach is different. So if someone comes with a different approach, initially it's probably going to be like, what the what? You know, <laughs> what is that all about? Why are you being through through? Because uh, you know how you 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 you're ready for that fight. You you're ready to get in their boots and all. So it disarms you. Yes. And the the more it happens, you you kind of get used to the fact that it doesn't have to be aggro, or you can change your mind, and it will probably be safe for mm. you to do things differently. You know. So it's it's education. I mean, I I. Okay, I, I speak from experience. I was an extremely angry person. But as years went, you know, I realized I don't have to do it that way. Or there, there are alternate ways. Or um, it's someone else's fight. Give, give it over. Let someone else be angry. You don't have to. You've, you've done that. You mm. know, let it go. But, yeah, so it's, it's all about learning. How do you um, – is it working for you in your, in your corporation? Do you, are you able to implement this? It works. So initially, of course, it doesn't work at all. Um, you're sitting there and you literally get slammed with uh, very powerful people who all want to be right and who all want to show that they are the boss. Mm-hmm. And um, so the initial time, it, often it doesn't work. Um, you know, you might make a little tiny dent. The second time around, you do the same thing. What happens is somebody in the room has seen that actually, what did she just do there? You di- you're diffusing situations all of the time so that you're getting to the point. You're getting to the objective of the meeting. And what happens is your meetings start to get shorter because they become more effective. And then people start to emulate your behavior. And you do people do trust anything. more as well that they're in a safer yes. environment to actually speak their minds and, yes. and not get a backlash? Yes. And what also happens, so feedback for me is usually, wow, um, you're really blunt, eh? <laughs> oh, is that so? So, so is that now or when you, were, when you, when you did it boots and all, or are you still? I was, I was blunt. blunt as well, but there I wasn't called blunt. I was called something else with a B. <laughs> okay. So now you're blunt, but you've, you've changed your, your, the way you verbalize. Yes. Uh-huh. And the feedback that I've also received, um, is when, you know, um, people have come to me and said, do you know, Joan, um, I was talking to so and so the other day and I was just saying with Joan, She's, you, she's, you see what you get, you know, literally that is it. And so she will be very direct, but she's never personal. And that for me is a compliment because I've understood I'm not going to ever, ever, ever attack you as a person. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to attack anything. I'm going to say, okay, this is what the situation is at hand and what the situation is ugly. I'm not going to put frills on it. How long did it take for you to get there though? Because that is especially in a position situation where tempers flare. It's taken it's it, it's taken a number of years, and mainly because um, I've learned. So so I did a coaching course. Mm. Um, so I did consciousness coaching. Consciousness coaching is about self elevating 
your own awareness of what is going on around you before you can even start coaching. So you're always conscious of what you are saying, what the other is saying. That was in um, 2007, 2008. But what really, really helped me was NLP. NLP is um, a technique called, it's neuro linguistic programming. And what it does is it deconstructs the language and helps you to really understand fully what you are saying through verbal, um, orally, mm-hmm. um, visual. Uh, it uses all of your senses. And then also when you engage with somebody else, what is it that they are truly saying? So they are saying this with their words, however their body is saying that. So it looks at you holistic, holistically from a language point of view. And then it looks at your programming. So what have you learned as a child? Um, so, for example, I'm a visual person. So often my phrases will be saying, you know, so I see when we're speaking, I see. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying now. Other people may say, I hear what you're saying. They are a, auditory. an, an yeah. auditory person. Mm. So you start to understand how people interpret the word, uh, the world through the way that in which they speak. Mm-hmm. So NLP really helped me to understand Shemaine, Liesl. And if I can understand how you hear, see, feel the world, when I speak to you, I can speak back in the same frame of language Mm -hmm. and already you're building that rapport. Because you build the rapport, it diffuses situations before they've even started. I just want to ask you, Joan, with NLP, does that have anything to do with self-fulfilling prophecies or what you say is what you are creating? Uh, Be careful what you're saying because it's Going to come true Is that in the same field at all? Not at all Not so much Not at all It's okay. a science of language It's it's not at all um, From a corporate point of view It is very acceptable um, So if you want to bring it into corporate they, It's something that corporate can understand um, So there's nothing There's absolutely nothing airy-fairy about But now NLP. what about the tapping? So the tapping that, is That goes with it <laughs> No, no, no That doesn't go it's, with Doesn't no. it? No, uh, kin- kineo- is it kineology? Kinesiology. Kinesiology. No, right. no, no. Because I was, I was under the impression that NLP also does the tapping when you do no. the tapping bits. NLP is a technique. It's a technique which assists you with being able to articulate clearly, concise, okay. concisely and with precision. So am uh, I... Sorry, Shemaine, but now it sounds so much more boring. I thought it was like really interesting and, you know, the way of the fairies. And now you're telling me it's <laughs> no, just not at all. Uh, no. okay. minding your P's and Q's. Sorry, Shemaine. Salespeople <laughs> use it a lot. The, the NLP. The Salespeople use it a lot. Um, there's a lot of sales program that use NLP. The presidents use them use it a lot. Do you think okay. they're going to teach that to Trump? So, I plead the fifth. Are we going? Are we going there now? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> All right. So here's the other thing. So what I'm hearing you say is, you basically have to 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 teach yourself um, to become aware, mm-hmm. um, like as in just with every aspect of yourself. Yes. Uh, emotionally, you must become aware. Spiritually, you must become a physically. 
You must become aware. What else? Mentally. Mentally, you must become aware. And you have to balance all those things. Isn't there another one? Um, and then you have to balance all those things. So for a person, you know, going through a, a rough time or just, you know, having had a, a, a while battling, you know, their, their, their mental and emotional and how, how, where is there a faster way that you can just, you know, start implementing it? And when I say fast, where you can actually see progression how can one go um in terms of quick fixes sorry doesn't exist mm. sorry guys doesn't exist um you can go to all the courses that you want to they can all say that yes we will do this and we will work mi- miracles etc but there are no quick fixes when it comes to behavioral okay. change that is what we are talking about before we elevate ourselves if we are not already in a of spiritual mind Before we elevate ourselves, we need to be willing to drop all of our beliefs. We need to be unlearn a lot of the things that we have been taught and that Uh has been reinforced with us. And we need to be willing to dare to take a step into the unknown. That's scary. It is absolutely scary. So we have to get out of our comfort zones. We have to. When you're in your comfort zone... Nothing will change. Mm-hmm. And so you can try that quick fix. You can go off and you can go to a spiritual retreat. Retreat. You can sit there and you can do all the alms that you like. Um, it is not going to transform you. Mm-hmm. It is not going to make you become aware mm. and awaken. The awakening is about self saying, okay, this is it. I'm done. I cannot possibly continue like this anymore. Something has to change. The something that has to change is self. Mm. It is not the job. It is not. You might want to change your job. It is not the husband. It is not. It is what do I need to change within me? That is already the first step of awakening. The moment that you ask yourself that question and you say, what is it that I need to change in me? Things start to happen very fast. What are the things that can sidetrack you in that process? Because once you say that, it's like Pandora's box. Staying in your comfort zone. That is what does sidetrack you. So we know where we've come from and it may be even uncomfortable. It may not be such a comfort zone. So for example, I'll give an example. An uncomfortable, comfortable zone. Yes. So we might uncomfortably comfortable zone or whatever. Yes. (laughs) So we might hate our jobs. Mm -hmm. We might hate the relationship that we are in. Absolutely hate it. Mm -hmm. And it might be an abusive situation. We might be being bullied at work, but we will stay there. Because it's better than jumping into that unknown. Hmm. So that is what would sidetrack us or returning back to that known uncomfortableness once we've stepped out and go, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, this is too scary for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what would sidetrack us. Right. And what about conditioning? Because what we often revert back to is we have been conditioned to do things right. And um, I'm the only one who can do this in the family. So I have to self-sacrifice you. Obviously, there's a lot of anger with it, but you do it anyway because you go. Say, say for instance, um, your mom is ill and you have to go and look after your mother, but you never had a great relationship. But now she's ill and she's old and you, it well, somehow it fell on you and you made it your mission that you're going to look after the anger that goes with it. You know, the mother's constantly unhappy and the child is like, can't you see what I'm doing for you? So there's that aggro between them. So we, we, we do stuff like that where we go, I have to do it. Um, 
what would you say to somebody who says, I have to do it? Because it's painful when your family turn, turn on you. So the first thing is when we say, I have to do it, mm-hmm. so we are implying that we don't have a choice. We always have the choice. We can always say no. Right. I hear you. So that's the first thing. <laughs> and, and that is very simple. It is very simple. And there are no buts after that. Uh-huh. We have the choice to say no. Often we do not because it would look bad. That's the first reason. I would then be looking really, you know, how could I do that? And okay. it's so you not make about it me. about yourself. Yes. Aha. Yes. So then we look at if you really wanted to change that situation, we look at where is the gain for me? The gain is I'm the martyr. I'm the, I'm the person that, um, you know, she, she's the, always the goody two shoes. She's always, you know, the, the, the person that will always come to the rescue. That's the gain for me. I'm the lady in shining armor. That's the gain for me. But we are never recognized for it mm-hmm. because it is not authentic. Liesl says it's time to go. It's <laughs> not me. It's Vanessa. I am so sorry. She's oh, well. nudging me. Yeah. But I have to say, Jen, you know, I agree with that, that we have to take responsibility. And I think becoming aware that it is my choice how I'm going to react is about responsibility. Thank you so much for coming to speak to us and sharing your wisdom. From me, Liesl, Tom, have a great day. Yeah, from me also, um, uh, Joan Lane. It was wonderful having you on the show. I'm Shemaine Harris. Have a good one. Cliffcentral.com.